This is episode number 65 of Unfolding Words. God is a gracious host and what we can learn from him. My name is Antracia Moorings and welcome to my weekly podcast aimed at sharing biblical truth to offer light for your walk and life for your soul. I am so glad you're here today. First, I just want to say thank you to those who joined me for the four-week study of Ruth. I enjoyed it a great deal, and from the feedback that I received, I gather that you enjoyed it as well. If you missed out on the study, you can still purchase the workbook on Amazon. It's called Harvest of Kindness, a study of Ruth. And you can go to my website at unfoldingwords.com slash Bible studies for more information. Today, I want to talk about how God rolls out the welcome mat for us in the most gracious way and the lessons that we can pick up from that. So one of the most incredible things that God did for us happens in the book of Genesis. He created a garden where he would dwell with his people. And despite mankind messing up that plan, God time and time again rolls out the welcome mat for us. So what God did was he established a place where he is present to his people. But there are restrictions and guidelines. You can't come all the way in. You have to come clean. The tabernacle is God showing hospitality as well as Solomon's temple. So we see throughout the Bible that it's God's nature to show hospitality. In fact, Genesis 1, as I mentioned, is a stellar example of his skill at hospitality. Evening turns to morning, and as each new day begins, God makes preparation for his honored guests. And as he completes each task of creation, he ends with, it is good every time. So it's like he's building this place where he's going to welcome in his guests, but first he wants to make sure that everything is good. But when Adam and Eve got themselves kicked out of Eden, God had to find a new way to show hospitality to them. So it's like when someone comes to your house and kind of messes things up and shows shows out and not in a good way, you still want to be gracious, but you have to find a new way to do it. God himself has shown us what true hospitality is in the story of the gospel. It all starts with God looking for ways to extend a relationship with his people. And in turn, we should learn to extend our hands out in relationship to other people as well. So God created mankind and gave Adam and Eve a beautiful place to live in, to take care of and protect. But the fall created an estrangement from God and their relationship was no longer the same. So even though man had rejected God, God, in his kindness, relentlessly pursues throughout the next centuries mankind so that he can restore them and bring them back into unbroken fellowship with him. And he does find a willing few, like Abraham in the book of Genesis, who he extends an invitation to, to be a friend of him. And with Abraham, as he extended an invitation to friendship, he said that out of this relationship, the nations would be blessed. So all you have to do is read Abraham's story in Genesis to see how he was welcomed by God into his great gospel plan and how Abraham showed hospitality in return to others while he was himself a stranger and a pilgrim in strange lands. And that's really the heart of hospitality is learning how to receive it 
and then in turn, give it. So in our modern society, we often think of hospitality as knowing how to throw a good party, knowing how to cook a gourmet meal, how to dress a table nicely for our guests, how to keep a friendly, comfortable atmosphere going with good conversation so that people feel good about being in our home and in our presence. But in the Bible, hospitality was a big deal, but it was altogether different from how we view hospitality today in our Western society. Now, in biblical times in the ancient Near East, hospitality was really a life and death matter because there were nomads and sojourners like Abraham and Sarah who didn't have a place to stop. There was no Motel 6 on the road or a Holiday Inn, so they would have to depend on the kindness of strangers to bring them in to their home to keep them safe. And in doing this, you would often put your life in danger as you welcomed a stranger into your home or your tent for the night who was seeking food or shelter. These days, we would never think to do that because our culture is not set up that way. But oftentimes, those who were showing hospitality were in a sense, putting their lives in danger. But the only thing riskier would be sleeping outside on the road where there were wild animals or thieves who might find you. So while you were risking your life by hosting and feeding strangers, it was rude if you did not do that. If word got around that you did not offer hospitality to those strangers on the road, your reputation would be dishonored in other people's eyes. But if you were known to be a gracious and a hospitable host and you had proved yourself worthy of people coming into your home, then that would make you look worthy in other people's eyes. So as you read the Bible, you'll see that God's hospitality is sprinkled everywhere throughout the whole book of the Bible. God serves as a host to all of mankind, not just mankind, but all of creation. And he's the one who provides food and clothing and provision for all. We see this in the book of Genesis when he did that for the animals and for Adam and Eve. And we see this in Psalms 104 verses 10 through 15. I'm going to read it out of the ESV. It says, you make springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. Beside them, the birds of the heavens dwell. They sing among the branches. From your lofty abode, you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine and bread to strengthen man's heart. God does all of this for animals and mankind alike just because that's what's in his heart to do, not because we're deserving of it or because we did something worthy, but it's just how God is. And God shows particular attention to those who were alienated, the widows, the orphans, those who were foreigners. We see this in Exodus 22, verses 22 through 24, where it says, you shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry and my wrath will burn and I will kill you with the sword and your wives shall become widows and your children fatherless. So extending kindness wasn't just a nice thing to do. It was a requirement. It was mirroring the heart of God that was shown to you. So as you were shown hospitality, in return, you were to give it out. 
that's the model that God was showing for us. And we see this image of God as a very gracious host in Psalms 23, one of the most loved Psalms of all time. It says, you prepare a table before me. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So while God is good at being hospitable, his role as a gracious host comes with boundaries and obligations for his guests. So think about if you have guests into your home, or even if you're a guest at someone else's home, you don't go into people's bedrooms, you don't lay on their bed. I mean, unless you know these people, but if you're just a guest at someone's home, who is not a family member, you don't go in the closet and help yourself to their clothes and go in their bathroom, go through their linen closet, check out what's in the pantry. That's not what guests do. We know as a guest, when we're in someone's home or when someone comes into our home, we know that there are certain boundaries that have been established. It's just part of our culture. And so was the same with God. When he set up Eden, Adam and Eve were never to eat from the tree of life, but we know that they did. And now, as a result, we are suffering the consequences of that. And we also know that God told the Israelites not to have any other gods before him. But instead, they went and filled up the temples with idols. And as a result, God's glory left the temple And he took his presence and his protective power along with him. He left his people in the land of exile and eventually let the Babylonians take them captive. So now this applies to us today. We are guests in the kingdom of God and we have boundaries and conditions that apply to us as guests. So we are not to replace the master of the house with God's or idols. And we have to treat God, who is our gracious host, with honor and care and reverence. And if we trample over the boundaries, there are consequences. We know that we are children of God, but we still have consequences if we don't respect the boundaries and the guidelines that God set up. So we can find ourselves outside of the gates of God's presence. But one beautiful thing about God is that he never bolts the lock. He never locks the door and throws away the key when we overstep our boundaries. Think about the prodigal son. He returned. The lights were still on. The table was set. The door was unlocked. There was food waiting warm for him. And his father was waiting on the porch for him. So even when we trample over the guidelines that God established for us, he's still the gracious host and he still waits for us to return. So that's the good thing about God. Even when we're alienated, he still does not change his nature. In the Old Testament, God extended his hospitality to those who were the most alienated of all, the Israelites. And they were alienated pretty much because of their own actions, but God never changes. The Old Testament pinpoints the Israelites as those alienated people who were dependent on God's hospitality. But God graciously received them in and met their needs. He redeemed them from Egypt. He fed them and clothed them in the wilderness. He guided them as sojourners into his own land that he would provide for them, where he gave them health and long life and peace and fruitfulness. Now note this about God. He extends his kindness and hospitality to everyone, regardless of whether they deserve it or not. 
Jesus says in Matthew 5 and 45, God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And a lot of times we don't understand this. Like, why would God bless those who are unrighteous? And we confuse God with giving good things to bad people because in our nature, we expect that God should send good things to the good which is us, and bad things to the bad. But that's just not God's character. That's not even how he's made up. On earth, this is our home, the place that God has invited us to. And God is always the gracious host. I'm going to drive this point home. God is going to ever be the gracious host. And he gives good things to all of his guests. Yes, even those ones who trample over the guidelines and step into the private areas of the home that they're not even worthy of going to. Even when the bad ones behave badly, God is still a generous host. But here's the catch. It's in the next life to come that God holds us accountable for the hospitality that we receive from him now. So when you hear people ask, why do the wicked prosper? What is the answer to that? The wicked aren't really prospering just because God is being a gracious host to them. Instead, they are receiving his kindness, but they're abusing it. They're abusing and trampling over the grace of God, which they will be accountable for in the life to come. So never mistake God's gracious nature as a host in this world for ignorance that he doesn't see it or that it's unfair. They'll be held accountable. The thing is, is that you worry about yourself (laughs) and I need to worry about myself as well. And we need to accept the hospitality and the kindness that God extends to us. So Jesus is also a model of Christian hospitality, both practically and spiritually. So not only did Jesus teach the requirement of loving strangers, he also highlighted strangers in his parables and in his healings. He used hospitality as an occasion to teach. He promised his disciples that he was going away to prepare a place for them. So the one who had no place to lay his head in this earthly realm will forever be the gracious host and go ahead and prepare a place for those who follow him. Even the creator of the earth has made himself subject to hospitality. We're never above being hospitable. And in the book of Acts, we see this spirit of hospitality sprinkled all throughout this book as well. It's as if hospitality is the way of the world for Christians. In the early stages of the church, believers shared all things common. And there was a practical need for this hospitality because there were people who were in need of the things that they were sharing in common. And when believers were spread out across the world because of persecution, they could find homes amongst those other Christians. This is an act of hospitality. In Acts chapter 2, we see how the believers shared with those who were in need. And on his travels, we see that Paul is constantly taking advantage of the hospitality of the saints, especially the Philippian church. We see the generosity of Lydia after her conversion in Acts 16 and 15, And in the epistles, we see a lot of evidence of hospitality being practiced. And in Romans 16 and 23, Gaius is referred to as Paul's host. It's not lost on Paul that a lot of those who were reading his epistles were strangers and aliens. We see that God's love for strangers and aliens in the Old Testament, and we see it here lived out in the New Testament as well. 
There's a book called Eating Your Way Through Luke's Gospel by Robert Karras. And in it, he writes, in Luke's Gospel, Jesus is either going to a meal, at a meal, or coming from a meal, end quote. So Luke highlights the fact that Jesus has a ministry at the table where hospitality is abundant. And in a book called A Meal with Jesus, Tim Chester says, how would you complete this sentence? The Son of Man came, end quote. So many people would answer that question by saying the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Or they may say the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And those are true. But Luke adds the Son of Man has come eating and drinking. And Chester adds this. The first two are statements of purpose. The third statement is a statement of method. His mission strategy was a long meal stretching into the evening. He did evangelism and discipleship round a table with some grilled fish, a loaf of bread, and a pitcher of wine. Isn't that a wonderful picture of Jesus' hospitality? Nothing fancy or special, but just showing his kindness and his generosity at a table. So those of us who follow Jesus, what we're also following is his model of hospitality. So when Jesus says, come follow me, he isn't saying, come follow me to take a class or to start a program, but to follow his way of life, how he is walking out hospitality. And that includes opening up our homes and our lives to others. But before we do this, we have to open up our hearts to him and those that he opened his heart up to. So when we think about hospitality, don't think about fine banquet dinners or that your house has to be wonderful. Think about reaching to those who are alienated or who are foreign from you, not foreign in the sense of culture, but maybe foreign in the sense of those aren't the people that you run with. Let God open you up to those who you may not normally open up to. Let God show you how to be hospitable and make that a prayer. Lord, how can I be more hospitable to your people? It may be opening up your home for a meal. And maybe it just means having a friendship with someone that you may not typically be friends with. The possibilities are endless if you tune your ear to the heart of God. I pray that you were blessed by this teaching on hospitality and that in some way you can make small tweaks in your life to open your life up to a life of hospitality and generosity. So that's it for this episode of Unfolding Words. If you haven't already subscribed, please consider subscribing and share the show with a friend. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review so that others know the show is worth listening to. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day. And until next week, may God's word be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. God bless you.